Our gospel lesson this morning will come from John's gospel. From John chapter 20, we're reading John 20, verses 19 through 31. John 20, 19 through 31. And I invite you to stand as you're able, in body or in spirit, for the reading of our gospel lesson. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who's called the twelve, who's called the twin, was, was one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, they were together in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put, your, put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And through believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I know you're probably familiar or have heard the, ter the term for something to go viral. That, that's a term that we think of now in regards to the internet. You know, there are uh, videos that go viral, that get shared and passed around for everyone to see. Uh, there are, there are uh, images. If you get up my phone, my phone is full of memes that I send to my children that everyone knows, everyone's seen, they get passed around. If you're on Facebook, minions. For some reason, minions have become popular, and there's always an image on Facebook of a minion from Despicable Me doing something silly. Like, that's just an image that has, that has become popular that gets shared around on, on social media. And we often think of things going viral, just in modern terms, modern terminology. But things have gone viral throughout all of pop culture. Think back when you were a kid. Do you have any posters on your wall? How many of your friends had the same posters on their walls? You know, there was these images that have always been popular, that people have always liked, or this. You ever been driving around back in the olden days when we listened to the radio and felt like you heard the same song five times in an hour? Song was popular, and it was played over and over and over again. It went viral. It was shared so many times that everyone knew it. In fact, if we're going to be honest, there comes a time, just like with memes today, we get sick of them pretty quickly, don't we? You say, come on, play something new. That's how it goes. Or it's the same thing in sports. It would, I wouldn't call it going viral, but uh, I grew up in South Mississippi. There were a whole lot of Yankees fans in South Mississippi 
to be that far away from New York City. Why? Well, the Yankees won. Everybody liked them. They used to say rooting for the Yankees was like rooting for, rooting for U.S. Steel. Everybody liked them. So they went viral. They were popular. They were in sports. We call it a bandwagon team. Everybody jumped on the bandwagon and rooted for them. I, I, I'm so old. I remember when the Braves were bad. Y'all remember the Dale Murphy days? So before 1991, I didn't know a single Braves fan in the world. None of them. Didn't know a single Braves fan. Then they started winning. And then suddenly everybody in Bogotá was a Braves fan. And so when the Braves started winning, and I'd ask folks, who you root for? They'd say the Braves. I'd always ask this question. I'd say, well, do you know who Ozzie Virgil is? Ozzie Virgil was a catcher on those really bad Braves teams in the 80s. They'd say, who? I'm like, ah, you're a bandwagon fan. No, you don't count. And they said, oh, yeah, he caught far. I'm like, oh, congratulations. I'm glad your team's winning. Bandwagon teams. Isn't that the same thing as something going viral? And that's all something going viral is. It's something that is seen and experienced and that people like and they find amusing or funny and they share with others. That's all it is. It, it looks different in every type of media, every type of experience, but that, that's all it is. Popular things that you enjoy that you share with others. That's what it means to go viral. Today's text really is one of my favorite sections in all the Bible. I love John 20 in the resurrection, but I especially love John 20, 19 through 31. There's, there are three things that are happening in this text to me that are so interesting and so beautiful. So let's look, look briefly at what we see in scripture today. The first section, it says this. It says, uh, when it was still evening on the first day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Okay, so first off, let's talk about what's happening here. This is the Easter, and it says here that the disciples have the doors of their house locked for fear of the Jews. Okay, let's take a real quick moment and unpack that. In John's gospel, anytime you hear the phrase in John's gospel, the Jews, that is shorthand for the religious leaders. John is always talking about the Jews, meaning religious leaders. John is not talking about Jewish people. He's not talking about anyone that is Jewish. He's talking about a specific group of people, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders that he called the Jews. You know how we know John was not talking about the Jewish people? Because you know what John was? A Jewish person. John was Jewish. All of the original disciples were Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. So this was not, this is not a, a word or a phrase that can be used to belittle or criticize Jewish individuals. That's not what John's talking about here. He's making a very specific shorthand reference for the religious leaders that persecuted and attacked Jesus. That's what he's talking about here when he says the Jews. Anytime you read John's gospel, hear that as shorthand for the religious leaders. So it says here, their doors were locked for fear of the religious leaders or the Jews. I think that's such a powerful phrase, y'all. Such a powerful phrase. How often do we lock our doors out of fear? Well, we often associate that with our physical doors. You know, oh, we're in a bad neighborhood. Let's lock our door. Or let's lock our door when we go to bed. We even lock our doors in Bogotá now. Can you believe that? You lock your door. And that's... So what he's talking about here, out of fear. But I think about how often we lock 
our doors out of fear. And I don't mean our literal doors. But how often in our life do we lock the door of our hearts out of fear? I'm going to lock the door of my heart out of fear. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, y'all. If I open up my heart, then I might get hurt. Or if I take a chance on somebody, I might get hurt. Or if I really let Jesus into my heart and take control, he might do something I don't like, and I'm afraid of that. So I'm going to, y'all, here's the thing. If I harden my heart, guess what? Nothing can hurt me. If I lock the door of my heart out of fear, nothing can hurt me. If I harden my heart, then nothing, no one can get to me, and I'm safe. So out of fear, I lock the door to my heart because I'm afraid of getting hurt. And how often do we do that, friends? How often out of fear do we lock the doors of our heart? Fear of others, fear of rejection, fear of faith, fear or whatever. And it's fear that drives us to lock the doors of our heart to keep others away and sometimes even, yes, to keep Jesus away, to keep us safe. And maybe our hearts are hardened, but at least we're safe. That's not the life Jesus intends for us to lead. So we see they're behind locked doors out of fear. These sections have a lot to do with faith and unbelief. So we see that if you were to go ahead, if you were to read earlier, the first part of John, you'd see that the women met Jesus. Mary met Jesus at the tomb. And she, he, she recognizes Jesus. And he says, go and tell the others. So Mary goes to the disciples and says, guys, guess what? I met Jesus. He's alive. He has overcome. Death could not contain him. He is resurrected. He is with us. Mary goes and tells. But they don't believe. Their hearts are locked out of fear. And they don't believe the word that Mary tells them. And it isn't until Jesus comes in their midst and they experience Jesus that they believe. It isn't until it goes from simply words that Mary shared with them to them actually experiencing the resurrected Christ that they believe. It's when it goes from words that others say to experience that they receive that they actually believed. Mary didn't know it was Jesus until Jesus called her name. Then she believed. The disciples didn't, didn't believe he had been resurrected until he appeared from, to them and they experienced him. So we see first, their doors are locked out of fear. And it isn't until he comes and they experience him that they believe. Then we see Thomas. You know, Thomas, bless his heart, y'all. I think there's a couple things that we can learn about Thomas here. First, you know when Jesus tells the disciples, let us go to Jerusalem, and they knew that he would die there. You know what Thomas says? Thomas says this. Let us go with him that we too may die with him. Yet no one calls him brave, Thomas, do they? What do we call him? Doubting Thomas. Let's never define people by their worst mistakes. For all of eternity, Thomas is defined not by his bravery, 
and going to Jerusalem. Thomas is defined by his doubt. Let's not define ourselves by our worst moments. Let's not define others by their worst moments. And look at what Jesus does to doubting Thomas. He say, get away from me. Your doubts make you not worthy. Does Jesus say, because of your doubts, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Because of your doubts of the resurrection, you should get away from me. But does Jesus rebuke Thomas? Does he rebuke him? Does he correct him? Does he criticize him? Does he cast him out because of his doubts? No. He lets Thomas experience the resurrection. Thomas's doubts do not kick him out of the family. Thomas's doubts do not kick him out of the disciples. But Jesus overwhelms those doubts with his experiences. Your doubts do not mean that you don't believe. Your doubts do not mean that you're unworthy. Your doubts do not mean that you're unloved. Thomas had to experience Jesus. And when he experienced him, that experience overwhelmed his doubts. So we see two examples here, don't we? First, the disciples. They had to experience. Then they believed. Then Thomas. He had to experience. He had to believe. So look at what it says at the very end. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that believing you may have life in his name. That's why this book was written, y'all. That's why John was written. That's why we have the Bible. It was written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. As Reginald told you, it was given to us that we could experience Jesus. It was given that we could be transformed by Jesus. It was given so that we could have an encounter with a divine Savior, and that can transform our life, y'all. You've heard Reginald's words this morning. But until you encounter Jesus, until you experience Jesus, they're just words. They're just words that don't do any good until we experience Jesus. It was 45 years ago today that my, murder, my mother was murdered by my father. You've heard my story of anger and hatred and shame and guilt. You know what I've been through. But until you encounter Jesus, those are simply words. It is not words that transform us. It is an encounter with the risen Lord that transforms us. And somebody say amen, or are we the church? Amen. That's what we are. It is our experience in Christ that redeems us. Nothing more. Jesus Christ crucified and raised. We experience him. And he transforms us. And this book was given so that we may experience him. And then we must make him go viral. Because, y'all, there's a world out there that needs Jesus. There's a world that's angry and mad about everything at all times. 
There's a world full of bitterness and division and strife. And this world needs Jesus, y'all. And how will this world experience Jesus if not but through us? As one of the saints says, Christ has no hands but yours and no feet but yours. We are, we are given this sacred text that we may experience Jesus. And then we are called, y'all, to go out to his world so that others may experience Jesus through us. Through our love, through our words, through our grace, through our faithfulness, through our charity, through our mercy, through our kindness, through the gifts of the Spirit. We are called to experience Jesus, to be transformed by Jesus so that we can go into the world and be an agent of change for Jesus in a world that so desperately needs it. There are folks out there who need to experience Jesus. And those of us who have been impacted by him, those of us who have been transformed by him, those of us who know him, have that call to go forth into his world taking his grace to a world in need of experiencing Jesus. We make, we share our images on our phones, don't we, y'all? We share our pictures in front of the flower cross on Facebook, don't we? I did. We share memes of funny things with our children and grandchildren, don't we? We're good at sharing that. The world doesn't need one more TikTok. The world needs Jesus. And we are here. We have been transformed by our loving Savior so that we can love this world to Jesus. And as we have experienced the resurrection, may we live that resurrection out for all the world to experience so that all the world can come to saving knowledge of its loving Savior, Jesus the Christ. Those of us who have experienced Jesus, it's our job to live that out for a world in need. Let's pray.